What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and getting a little chilly. Came in from the northwest, coming on into Houston. Woo-hoo. Now, I like this weather. I don't have any problem with it, but hopefully you guys are staying nice and toasty and warm wherever you are listening, because this thing, well, we were warned about it, but it seemingly came on fast. I was reading earlier that at College Station this afternoon, probably like 1 o'clock, it went from like 72 to 58 in a matter of like 15 minutes. That's Texas weather, man. That is Texas weather. Appreciate you guys being here for another Monday edition of the show. No game yesterday, which is always kind of weird. Strange. I, I have this moment every time we have a bye week where I'm just like, <gasps> and I, every single time. And I, it shouldn't happen, but it, <laughs> but it does. And for whatever reason, it always kind of freaks me out. But it happened yesterday, but I had a chance to step back and Watch a few of the games that took place in the league, and it was a, an overall good day, I would say, for the Houston Texans. Here's the gist of basically what happened yesterday. The Texans will play the Colts on Thursday. I know they'll play the Ravens on Sunday, but just bear with me for a second. Regardless of the results of the game on Sunday in Baltimore, the Texans will play the Colts no worse for a battle for first place. The Colts got the Jags coming in Indianapolis next week, but the Colts' loss to the Miami Dolphins yesterday put the Colts at 5-4. and four. So after nine games, Texans 6-3, and three, Colts 5-4. and four. After ten games, Tennessee, now on a bye, 5-5. Five and five. The Jags coming off the bye, 4-5. and five. So the best anybody can be at the end of this week was the Texans 7-3. But beyond that, because the Jags play the Colts, the Colts could be 6-4 and four with a win. The Jags could be 5-5 five and five with a win. A win for the Jags, 5-5, five and five, would tie all three teams at 5-5, five and five, which I kind of would like to see. I kind of like to see all at 5-5, five and five, and the Texans win and go to 7-3. That would, that would be nice to have a two-game lead heading into that game against the Indianapolis Colts. Either way, the worst that could happen the worst that could happen. Colts win, Texans lose. They're both 6-4, and four, playing Thursday night for first place in the AFC South. That, it's going to be a massive game regardless. But we've got a massive game before we even get there, and that is against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. In Baltimore, 1 p.m. Eastern, if you're going to be there, 12 o'clock Central. It's the best game of the weekend. Let me just give you a snapshot of the games that are taking place this weekend. You've got the Falcons and Panthers, combined record 7-11. and 11. You've got the Cowboys and Lions, combined record 8-9-1. and 1. You've got the Broncos-Vikings, combined record 10-9. and 9. You've got the Saints-Buccaneers, combined record 10-8. and The eh, Bucs might play that one hard. It's in Tampa Bay, you never know. Bills-Dolphins. Dolphins on a winning streak? Combined records 8-10. and 10. Jags-Colts, combined record 9-9. Nine and nine. Chiefs Chargers Monday night, combined record 10 and 10. Texans Ravens, combined record 13 and 5. The only other one that's close is Patriots Eagles. That's 13 and 5 as well. The Patriots 8 and 1, Eagles 5 and 4. At least the Texans Ravens, they're a little bit closer with 7 and 2 and 6 and 3. 
But I would say outside of that Patriots-Eagles game, Texans-Ravens, the noon window is the game. The afternoon window is the Patriots-Eagles, and then Sunday night is the Bears-Rams. Now, a lot of people ask me, well, shouldn't that game be flexed? Well, a couple things to consider. Number one, and Mark and I talked about this a little bit this morning, the Texans would then have three straight weeks of primetime games. Now, do the people across the country want to watch the Texans three times? They should. I mean, to see Deshaun Watson in particular, they should. But I don't know if that's the way people see it. Here's the other reason. The Texans play a Thursday night game home. A Sunday night game in Baltimore, I can promise you, because we've done it before. We played Monday night. We got home at about 3 o'clock in the morning. So 3 o'clock in the morning, and then you got to turn around and play at 7.30 on Thursday night. I mean, that's almost not even fair. So that doesn't make sense either. So if a game was going to get flexed, this was the game that would have been flexed. But with the Texans playing two prime timers, and not only playing two prime timers, playing Thursday night in particular in Week 12, I don't think it would have been fair for the Texans to play a Sunday night game and then turn around and have to play that Thursday night. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's hard enough to play a, a Sunday-Thursday as it is. I have to play Sunday night, Thursday night? Uh, no, no, no. That's forget that. Even if the Texans weren't traveling, even if the Texans were home for this game and then played a Thursday night game at home, even that would be rather difficult. So that's that's not going to be the case. The game will stay at noon. Now, week 10, Texans didn't play. But what happened throughout the league? Well, let's go through it. On Thursday night, it started with the Raiders. I told you after the Raiders game, I told you going into the game against the Raiders, I told you coming out of the game against the Raiders. This was a really good win for the Texans with all that going against them against a really good football team. And the Raiders proved it on Thursday night. Again, 5-4 and four, Oakland beats 4-6 and six, L.A. 26-24. The Raiders defense comes up big, but a big loss for them on the defensive side. Carl Joseph looks as if he's lost for the year. But the Raiders get it done on Thursday night in the black hole. And the more I watch this team, and, and I know I shouldn't like other teams, I tend to like the watching this Raiders team. It doesn't seemingly do a lot really well, but but win. I mean, they find a way to win. They run the ball okay. They didn't run it exceptionally well the other night. Twenty-one for seventy-eight. Josh Jacobs had seventy-one yards, but he did have a touchdown. But the defense, Eric Harris, Eric Harris, two interceptions was just a beast all game long. He came up with two. He had a third one, but it got overturned because of a penalty. Two interceptions, three passes, defense. Uh, Cleveland Furrell had two and a half sacks, two tackles for a loss, three quarterback hits. An unbelievable day for the Raiders. They get a win on Thursday. Then we go to the Sunday games. Matt Stafford, two huge streaks were broken, playing streaks on Sunday. Matt Stafford's was broken against the Bears. He had started for, I believe, 136 consecutive games, but he unable to go. Jeff Driscoll had to step in. Did some good things, threw it 46 times, which is I don't think what you want Jeff Driscoll doing, but he had a touchdown and interception, had the ball late in the game with one Hail Mary shot. It didn't come through. The Bears get a win. Mitch Trubisky's taking a lot of heat, and deservedly so, but he did throw three touchdowns yesterday. The Bears just can't run the ball consistently, and that's part of the issue. But Allen Robinson catches six for 86. Taylor Gabriel uh, Tariq Cohen and Ben Broniker all with touchdowns for the Bears. Bears get a much-needed win, 20-13 to over the Detroit Lions. This week's opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, 
couldn't have been more dominant against a terrible team. I say this with all due respect to Cincinnati Bengals, but that is not a good team. There isn't anybody but Geno Atkins. Nobody. Nobody but Geno Atkins would start on this Texans roster. Not one guy. Not one. There wouldn't be anybody but Geno Atkins that could start a lot of places throughout the league. But Lamar Jackson gets it done. A perfect rating of 158.3. 15-17, three touchdowns, more touchdowns and incompletions. He also had a magnificent 47-yard touchdown run. The Ravens with a 49-10 win. Marcus Peters had a pick six. Here's one number to consider, though. Joe Mixon for the Bengals ran it 30 times for 114 yards, just under four yards a carry. The Texans are carrying it at four yards a carry. They just might upset the greatest team on earth. Well, I mean, that's what everybody's telling me the Ravens are, the greatest team on earth. But Ravens get a win. They're 7-2 right now, the number two seed in the AFC. The Browns took on the Bills. Now, apparently over the weekend, the Bills fans were shutting down all the different bars in Cleveland because they traveled so incredibly well to Cleveland. Unfortunately for the Bills, the Bills took it on the chin. Browns get a win. Nick Chubb, 20 for 116. Baker Mayfield threw for 238 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the key. But Jarvis Landry was the dude. Nine catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, no, Beckham Jr. was targeted 12 times. and only caught it five. Tredavious White took on that challenge and did a pretty good job with it. The Bills... Just unable, really, to generate a ton of offense. Josh Allen threw 41 times, ran it six, didn't throw a pick, but just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. And the Browns get a 19-16 to win. And I told Mark, look at the Browns' schedule over the next few weeks. A couple games against Pittsburgh starting Thursday night. A couple games against Cincinnati. This thing could turn around very quickly for the Browns. Very, very quickly. In the biggest upset of the day, the 2-7 and seven Falcons. Well, they were 1-7 going in, but they went to 2-7, and seven, beating the Saints. The Saints held to three field goals by one of the worst defenses in the league. The Falcons put it all together. They're all on the same page. They had a magnificent game. Offensively, they didn't do a whole lot. 34 carries, 143 yards on the ground. Matt Ryan threw for only 182 yards. But he did have two touchdowns, one to Austin Hooper, who is going to get an MRI. So you got Austin Hooper on your fantasy team. Keep an eye out. It looks like he's going to miss a few weeks with an injury. And then Brian Hill. Uh, Brian Hill. Yeah, formerly of Wyoming, running back. A few years ago, stepping in for Devontae Freeman, who was banged up. Austin Hooper is now banged up. But the Falcons get a win. Why? The pass rush. The pass rush? The pass rush. Six Sacks of Drew Brees. Six. And that man, Grady Jarrett, one of my favorite players in this whole league. I had that dude pegged from jump. I knew that dude was going to be a baller, and he is. Two and a half sacks for Grady Jarrett. Falcons get the 26-9 to dominant win. The Giants played the Jets. And, yeah, the Jets won. 34-27. That's all I got to say about that. Cardinals played the Buccaneers, and it was kind of the same thing. Bucks won 30-27. to Kyler Murray... For the Cardinals, has another big day. He goes 27-44, three touchdowns. But Jameis Winston, in a typical, this is the consummate Jameis Winston day. 30-48, about right. 358 yards, about right. One touchdown, 
two interceptions. That is a Jameis Winston day. But he got the win. They get the win. Uh, Mike Evans ends up with uh, just four catches for 82 yards. O.J. Howard with a touchdown reception. And Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones both get in the end zone rushing. Bucks get the win. Texas will play them a few weeks down the road. But they win and get to 3-6. and six. In the one that I'm still shaking my head at, Chiefs-Titans. The fourth quarter was incredible. But you talk about serving a game up on a platter. Chiefs, fumble. Titans return for a touchdown. Derrick Henry, long run. Don't tackle him. 68-yard run for a touchdown. Then they drove all the way down the field. Derrick Henry, one-yard touchdown run. Then they botched a field goal snap. Intentional grounding. Ryan Tannehill goes right back down for a touchdown to give him the lead. They've got 30 seconds uh, about that. 23 seconds left. Enough time to go get in field goal range. Field goal gets blocked. And I know, I watched it. I thought the guy was offside. Josh Kalu coming off the edge. What it was, and somebody put this on Twitter, and it's perfect. They showed all seven videos of extra points and field goals the Chiefs kicked, and he timed it perfectly. The Chiefs had the same cadence the entire game on their field goal, and he, he picked it perfectly. And that got the block. Chiefs fall to 6-4. and four. Even though there were others in the media saying, ah, yeah, they're, they're going to win out. Nope, not going to happen. Also not winning out was the Indianapolis Colts. Scoreless in the first half. Scored just 12 in the second half as the Miami Dolphins win a second game in a row. The Dolphins held the Colts to just 109 yards on the ground at 3.8 yards per carry. Brian Hoyer, 18 of 39 for 204 and three interceptions. The three interceptions, guys like Nick Needham. Uh, who is Nick Needham? Yeah, I don't even know who Nick Needham is. Steven Parker. I only know him because he played at Oklahoma. I know that. And Bobby McCain played at Memphis. Those are the three interceptions yesterday for Miami. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Miami, yet again. You traded with us before we get Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, and then you beat the Colts in Indianapolis. And here's something to consider with that. The Dolphins and the Steelers were the two crossover games the Colts had to play. There are two games each year that the Colts and the Texans are going to differ on. And those are the two. The first place versus second place games. The Texans, because they came in first place last year, faced the Ravens and the Patriots. Tough game. Tough, tough, tough games. Don't get me wrong. Tough games. Haven't played those yet. But the Colts got a gift. They got to face the Steelers with Mason Rudolph and the Dolphins. And the Colts lost both, two in a row. The Colts 5-4. and four. They'll face the Jags next week at 4-5 and five in Indianapolis. Panthers and Packers played a whale of a game in the snow. Panthers get the win, 24-16. to 16. The big story here is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. He had three yesterday. Christian McCaffrey, another solid game, 108 yards on the ground, 33 through the air, but he came up just inches short to give the Panthers an opportunity to tie the game and send it to overtime. Packers win 8-2. You could have knocked me over the feather if you told me that when we scrimmaged them up there. I never would have seen it coming. Speaking of Wisconsin ties, T.J. Watt and the Steelers' defense got all over Jared Goff. All over him. Steelers win 17-12. to That's four in a row for the Steelers. Now 5-4 and four if the season ended today. The Steelers will be coming here to face the Texans. 
in a wild card round. Well, obviously the season doesn't end here, and both teams are thinking about doing bigger and better. But the story, the defense, Nika Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, Joe Hayden, all with interceptions. Minka Fitzpatrick picked up a fumble, ran it back for a knot, not offensive touchdown. T.J. Watt forced a fumble. He had two sacks. Javon Hargrave, one sack. Cameron Hayward had a sack. They hit Jared Goff nine times. 17-12, to 12, Jared Goff just harassed all day long. The offensive line for the Rams I knew was going to be a problem, and it's a bigger problem than even I thought at the beginning of the year. Steelers win 17-12 in the nightcap. The Vikings behind Dalvin Cook and Kyle Rudolph. They had a 28-24 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys now 5-4 and four, while the Vikings move to 7-3. and three. All right, we get back. It's time to catch up with the general, John McClain, right here on Texas All Access. I like talking to all my Houston area teachers out there. I'm calling all of you right now. But in particular, those that work with elementary School-age students, you want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to the show from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. It's a Monday edition of Texans All Access. Tomorrow, the gang will be out at Fuddruckers with Whitney Merciless. That's out in Stafford. So have that circled. Head out to Fuddruckers, Stafford, and check out Whitney Merciless. I think that's Whitney's spot. I think that's where they go when Whitney is uh, on the show at Fuddruckers. So Fuddruckers, Stafford, Tuesday night, get out there. Now, you won't see me, and you won't see John McClain, but we had a chance to catch up with John McClain earlier today, and for your listening pleasure, here it is. General, how was your bye, and which game did you watch the most of, or were you red zone addicted like we were yesterday? No, I watched the Titans and the Chiefs because it, uh, as it pertains to the Texans and, of course, the Colts and the Colts and the uh, Dolphins, and I also spent a lot of time watching that Packers game because it was snowing in Green Bay, and I love watching games at Lambeau Field and covering them when it is snowing. Yeah, I love the snow games. I mean, obviously, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I've seen a few. I think I've actually been to a few. And we went to Green Bay in 2016. That was there nice. as well. John, did you give the Dolphins any chance at all of winning that game on Sunday? And at the end of it, when the Dolphins pull it off, is it more surprising the Dolphins got the win or that they're completely blowing it when they're trying to go for the number one pick, apparently? Um, I sent a column about uh, the Texans, and in my second paragraph, it was I wrote this. I wrote it about uh, after the first games, and I sent that the Texans uh, remained a half game, half game ahead of Indianapolis, and then uh, Baltimore won. It was seven and two, so I fully expected them to win, even with Brian Oyer replacing Jacoby Brissett and T.Y. Hilton out, and I was shocked when uh, they didn't pull it off. Yeah, absolutely shocking. The Colts weren't able to do it. Brian Hoyer, you're down to your would-be third-string quarterback. They were trying to make a day of it and could not do it. But, John, here's the AFC South. So are the Colts that much better with Brissett? I would think so, and maybe the Colts, you would still consider them the biggest threat, or are the Titans really going to get it together with Ryan Tannehill, build some confidence after this, even though the Chiefs made a lot of mistakes to lead to that Tennessee victory? 
Tannehill is three and one since he replaced Marcus Mariota. All three victories have been achieved when he came from behind in the fourth quarter. And that's that's a good sign for the Titans. Now, their defense is usually good, but they gave up 530 or 20 yards. And, of course, Mahomes was fantastic. And that's interesting. You know, Mahomes threw three touchdown passes against the Texans and lost. He threw three against the Titans and lost. So their defense is killing them. And um, so I'm not sure about the Titans. And with Nick Foles coming back with the Jaguars, you know, the Jaguars play the – Colts, Titans are off, and with Foles coming back, maybe they're going to be better. I still think this race is going to be terrific. It's going to go down to the end. The Texans face the toughest stretch of the season. After watching the Titans yesterday, I thought, well, those last four games, the Texans have a chance to sweep, and they still do. But um, the Titans proved, you know, if they can beat the Chiefs, they're good. I think I saw a note that the Titans are 19 and six at home in their last 25 games, and what they're trying to do right now is they're—I don't know if this is a false security, but you know, they're, they're, everybody knows they're going to move on from Marcus Mariota. The key is, does Daniel play well enough for them to believe in him to sign him to a long-term contract, or do they pursue another quarterback? They're going to have to trade way up to get one in the first round if they keep playing the way they did yesterday. Yeah, just keep believing in Tannehill. Just keep just keep believing in Do Tannehill. It. Just keep going. Uh, Derrick Henry's the problem. Derrick Henry was the problem yesterday for the Chiefs. The problem on Sunday for the Texans, John, is going to be Lamar Jackson. I, I don't put a ton of stock in what went on yesterday against the, the Cincinnati Bengals because that might – it, not might. It is the worst team in football. There are names I don't even recognize. I don't even know what the Bengals are trying to do, to be honest with you. Uh, they do need a quarterback, it looks like, because Ryan Finley is not going to be the answer. But the more pressing matter for the Texans is that Baltimore offense, in particular Lamar Jackson. I put more stock in what that group was able to do against the Patriots on that Sunday night game than yesterday. But this is a different and unique offense. The Texans don't see it every week. In fact, nobody sees it every week, and now they got to go up to Baltimore and try and stop it and Lamar Jackson. John, what have you seen from the Ravens, and how problematic is it that they're facing such a unique uh, offense in particular? My call today is all about them talking about Lamar Jackson and what they have to do to try to contain him and the kind of weapon he is. Uh, I asked Jonathan Joseph, who's in his 14th season, best running quarterback he's played against, and he didn't hesitate. He said Michael Vick. And then he said now, of course, he hadn't seen Jackson in person, but he's seen him a lot. And he said that, you know, nobody is like him. In two games against Miami and Cincinnati, he has two perfect ratings, 158.3. He and Ben Roethlisberger, the only quarterbacks in history, they have 158.3 ratings twice. And he did his were against Miami and and uh Cincinnati and a lot of people get mad when you point that out because people are so defensive about him when people they they think there's anything negative about him and I'm just pointing out the facts eight touchdowns no interceptions against those two teams seven and five against everybody else the Bengals have done a good job on him he was averaging three yards of carry till he got loose for his longest run of the season 47 yarder and he scored a touchdown and he threw the ball to tight end Mark Andrews very well. But the key is 
you got to be able to contain him. you got to play discipline. you got to fill the gaps. Just because you play discipline, fill the gaps. And if they do everything Romeo Cornell tells them, it still doesn't mean they're going to be able to get the guy on the ground because he's so elusive and he breaks so many tackles. But it's going to be so much fun because the winner of this game, I believe, between Jackson and Watson is going to move up behind Russell Wilson in the talk for MVP. And if Russell Wilson does not play well tonight and the Seahawks lose to us to at San Francisco, then that MVP race might be wide open. It feels like such a week to week thing with the MVP race. Like you said, if Wilson loses tonight, well, it's Jackson. If Watson wins next week, well, it's Watson. And by, by the way, with the perfect quarterback rating thing, Jackson threw it 17 times yesterday. It was 15 yeah. of 17. That's very good, obviously. 17 throws because that's how they play. They're the number one rushing team in the league. Watson, when he had his perfect quarterback rating this year against Atlanta, he threw it 33 times. He was 28 of 33. So it's a little bit of a different deal, I think, when you have the volume of passes. Watson had one of the highest volumes of all time in, in putting together a perfect quarterback rating game. But that's just me. I, I know I'm partisan. Excuse me, Mark. Cincinnati mm-hmm. plays great run defense. You know, they were averaging 204 yards a game, and and they ended up with, you throw in his 48-yard run, you take a 47-yard run, you take that out, and the Bengals had played terrific run defense, and they control the clock. Well, one reason that uh, the Ravens didn't have more plays is they were dominated on the clock, and yet they still dominated the scoreboard, and and they're capable of doing that. But like John said, all we need to know about Lamar Jackson is he led the Ravens to a victory over unbeaten New England, and they beat them by, I think, 17 points at home. And uh, and if Watson wants to be seriously considered for the MVP, it's not this game as much as those next two on national TV against Indianapolis mm-hmm. and New England. And fortunately for the Texans, both of them are here. You know, it's about time they got a game against the Patriots here instead of in Foxborough. And there's a chance this could be the first of two against the Ravens, first of two against the Patriots. I don't think it'll be first of two against the Colts, but when Brissette comes back, you know, the Texans don't need to be reminded he's 4-0 against them. Had the Texans been flexed, by the way, Sunday night, that would have been three games in a row on national television. And that's probably why, but you're also playing a Sunday night game. And then have to turn around and play a Thursday night game. Yeah. Holy smokes. On the road Sunday night game and a late return because oh. it's not a close trip. But to that end, John, Baltimore at Baltimore, Indianapolis on a Thursday night, and New England on a Sunday night. The Texans have played in playoff games over, over the last how many ever years. But it feels like this three-game stretch is not only as important as any three to kind of gauge where this team is, but with the two primetime games mixed in with a game of Watson v. Jackson – this is about as exciting a three-week span as could be for this Texans team, it seems. What do you what do you see when you look at these three games coming forward with the two primetimers and then a matchup with Jackson? Well, first of all, on that Indy game, you know, Brissette had a sprained MCL, and they kept talking about he's week-to-week and he was probably going to play, and then he didn't play. Now, is there any guarantee he's going to be able to play? Come back that quick from a sprained MCL, play against Jacksonville and Nick Foles. Colts lost to the Raiders at home. They lost to the Miami at home. I'm not sure who their other two losses were against. But, you know, they're, they've showed they're beatable. 
And when Brissette's playing, they're not. It's not that they're unbeatable, but my goodness, you don't want to be in a playoff race when Brian Hoyer is your quarterback. Although I think I saw backup quarterbacks are twenty-two and twenty this season, and and Hoyer played well the previous game. He had threw a pick six at Pittsburgh when Vinatieri lost, missed a field goal at the end of the game to lose that one. But you know they're in a tailspin right now at the worst possible time. Texans are on a roll at the best possible time, and having two weeks for Romeo Cornell to prepare for Jackson is just, you know, that's the best possible situation. And uh, even though I love the Colts coming in on Thursday night and the Patriots on Sunday night, because of Jackson and Watson, I mean, I'm especially fired up for this game. John, the Cowboys have the number one offense in the league. They're neck and neck with Philadelphia right now. We know what happened in the first meeting between those two. What do you think of that NFC East race between those two? I'm stunned the Cowboys lost that game last night. I thought they were on a roll. They played at home. Minnesota had lost a game. Vikings pulled it out. Cowboy fans are devastated. They they waylaid the Eagles in the first game, and it's a two-team race, but I don't think either one of them – is special right now, not like the others. The biggest shocker yesterday to me wasn't mm-hmm. Miami over Brian Hoyer. It was one in seven Atlanta going to seven and one New Orleans. New Orleans coming out of the break and being as flat as a pancake. And that was just shocking. Not just a close loss settled on a field goal, but the Falcons just beat the heck out of him in the Superdome. That was the biggest surprise. When we get back, Andre Ware talks about the Ravens' Heisman package and a photo that he'd like to take on Sunday. And I don't blame him. That next on Texans All Access. we got one final segment of this Texans All Access edition on a Monday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, John Harris. Did so much as have any hot reads tonight, but if we did, they'd be brought to you by Geico, 15 minutes save you 15% or more on car insurance. What we did have were great takes from people like John McClain and our next guest, Andre Ware. Dre, here we go. Sunday noon, the Baltimore Ravens on the road and the nightmare that is Lamar Jackson for opposing football teams. Number one rushing team in the league. Number two offense overall. Two perfect quarterback rating performances for Jackson. So how do you stop them? How do you slow them down, Dre? (laughs) Uh, I'd get paid a lot of money if I had the answer to that, Mark, because a lot of people would be clamoring for exactly how to stop Lamar Jackson. You think that, uh, well, you take away the crowd, the line of scrimmage, force him to throw the football. He's been he's been doing that at a high level this season, and then you, know, you back off and he's going to kill you uh, with his legs as he did on that 47-yard touchdown ride. You haven't seen that. The listeners haven't seen it. Pull it up. It's it's about the most dynamic thing that, that – uh, that you'll see this season are close to it. So uh, two two good young quarterbacks that are going that, that are going to get it on again because they did in college and, and Deshaun got the best of Lamar. I know for a fact that doesn't sit well with Lamar, and he's he's kind of looking to right that ship in this one. But this will be this will be a fantastic football game. Dre. Back during the draft process in 2018, you had an opportunity yeah. to catch up with Lamar. He did not grant interviews to a lot of people. In fact, I think you were the only one he granted an interview to. What was it about him that sold you on the fact, other than obviously what we see in the field, the athleticism, the ability to throw the ball, run up, all that kind of stuff. 
What sold you on the fact that this guy was going to end up being a top-notch NFL quarterback one day? You, you can't measure what's, what's inside a guy's chest, Johnny. And he, he had made up his mind and in his heart that he was an NFL quarterback to the point that he didn't even run a 40 because he didn't want – he knew – he would run a fast one, and he didn't want any, yeah. didn't want to load anyone's gun or give anybody ammunition to move him or switch positions once he was drafted. So he didn't run the forty. But uh, talking with his mother during that process, talking to him, uh, he was he was hell bent on playing quarterback in the NFL, and that was all he wanted to play. And I think now everybody sees exactly why. I said at the time that if you love Deshaun Watson coming out of college that you had and there there were some people that gave uh, Deshaun less than stellar grades uh, didn't give him first round grades uh which is absolutely insane i <laughs> absolutely insane i said that year he should be the first pick in the draft uh and and i said if you love Deshaun coming out then you at least had to like Lamar because they're mm-hmm. so similar in the way they approach the game the way they play the game the dynamic manner in which they play the game. And I, I think seeing both on the field against one another, I'd take it more so than every four years, that's for sure. Uh, that's a good point. Um, every three, four years, whatever it turns out to be. Look, if they finish, if they both win their divisions a lot, we'll see it every year, like Manning-Brady, you saw that. But I know we got a long way to go before we get to that kind of talk. But, Dre, you mentioned the – Louisville-Clemson matchup in 2016, 42-36, Clemson over Louisville. And the yeah. the effect of that in this one. What about the Heisman thing, though? We've got a Heisman winner from that year against a guy who didn't win it but won the national championship. What about that part of it? Yeah, and, you know, there's Deshaun on the other side of it looking back thinking, you know, well, we, we he should have won it and then went to the national championship, went on to, to win a national championship uh, that year. So he took care of business down the stretch. He's got that in his craw and he wants to, to write it. And you, you, what better way? Than to face off against a guy that actually won it, and uh, both guys are playing at an extremely high level. Uh, there'll be sparks flying in this one. There'll be plays made, and and I think it all comes down to who controls the football in the line of scrimmage and who turns it over the least amount of times will win the ball game. This going on the road into Baltimore, you know they're going to have a good defense first and foremost. You know they're going to play well on special teams, but you throw an offense that can move it. And, and I thought last year they kind of brought Lamar along slowly. They ran the ball a bunch, didn't allow him mm-hmm. to throw it. They just decided to open it up this year. And I, I think they really see what they have uh, going there. It's a tough environment, tough place to play. It always has been no matter what Baltimore team from whatever year. It's just tough going into that building and playing, especially with their the way they play defense. Uh, you, you will have to be buttoned up and not – turn the ball over you can't have uh pre-snap penalties things of that sort that really make it tough because against good defenses you've got to play clean i could only imagine how tough a transition that is though when you're running a joe flacco led offense and you got to transition into lamar jackson we're going to do the exact same thing no we're not well they no made we're great, not well, they here, made great here's, the, here's the deal here's the deal about lamar that 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 people just kind of it's kind of falling by the wayside he played in about as pro-ready an offense mm. as you could possibly play in with Bobby yeah. Petrino. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a while. He's play, he's coached in the pros. So the terminology in which he had to get in the huddle and start to spit things out. Young quarterbacks struggle with all those things. Lamar, 
had three years of that with Petrino, who actually got smart and started to, you know, tinker, tinker with the offense so that he could take advantage of all of Lamar's talent. So uh, kudos to Coach Petrino and, and as well Lamar for picking up on those things and then building from, from there. Dre, bigger surprise yesterday, the fact that the Colts lost to the Dolphins or the fact that the Colts lost to the Dolphins? <laughs> hey man, is the clock running out on Vinatieri or what? I mean, because he man. makes a field goal earlier in that game. Yeah, uh, they're driving yeah. to kick a field goal to win it, and then you uh-huh. look back a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago when he missed one. That uh, last week when he when he missed uh-huh. and they cost him the game. So uh, that one may be coming to an end. I know they at least got to be auditioning uh, kickers this week. Yeah, that might happen. Uh, Dre, back to the Heisman thing for a moment. They got three in the backfield yesterday for the Ravens. I mean, they had Ingram, they had RG3, and they had Lamar Jackson. They had three Heisman Trophy winners in the backfield. And, you know, if they do this next week, we got one in the booth, and they got three down there. We got a lot of Heismans (laughs) around. We just have a damn reunion down there. We're having a reunion (laughs) in Baltimore. We need a squad uh, photo. You know how they take squad photos? Yeah, you got to get yeah. down there. You got to get down there and get a Heisman squad photo. After a loss, you they might what? not feel like doing it. true. I, I might see if we can pull that off next week. I'm, I'm going to call both guys and tell them pregame, hey, let's get together and get a, get a photo. I'll call all of them. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, let's I mean, it's a fraternity. Make- see if we can't you- make that happen. Do you guys have one gigantic text thread going? <laughs> it's like Heisman House text thread. <laughs> we'll bring the Heisman House to Baltimore. Oh, jeez, oh, that that'd be funny. I didn't Trey, even think about that, but it is filled. That building will be filled with Heisman winners. That the four out of how many? I'm trying to think of the percentage here, but either way, I was well, like, do the math. There's on only that. been eighty in 150 years of college mm-hmm. football, so. I, I don't know. I can't break the math down that quick. We don't that's have 5%. That's 5%. That's yeah. 5% in one building. That, that's pretty nice. Dre, the Titans yesterday get a win over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm still, I'm still shaking my head at how the Chiefs ended up losing that ball game. But you have said it. Mark has warned me. I have said flat out the Titans just I, – I, I just have poo-pooed them all year. But they find a way to win at home, and they have the one thing that travels every week, and that is another Heisman Trophy winner – Derrick Henry, I was shocked the way that that thing ended. How did you see that Chiefs loss to the Titans? More about the Titans winning or the Chiefs losing? Well, how many times have you guys heard me say you don't put the game in the kicker's hand? Uh, yeah. Ever, ever. If you can take care of business, you drive, you score, and the game's over. I never, I, I never believed in playing for field goals because that guy doesn't face the pressure enough. You know, you can try to create situations during the week. You can, you know, in training camp and so on and so forth. But when it's, you know, that you're not on the field only, but only a couple of times. And then, you know, here, here it goes. The game's in your hand. Um, I bet they'd have played it a little bit differently and got a little more aggressive uh, during that drive if they knew that a botch snap was, was going to happen. And then, you know, they, they, he, they would drive down, he'd miss another one. So uh, that, it was surprising. Um, I, I do believe that the Chiefs will be back. The healthier Mahomes gets, they'll they'll get some help back on the offensive line. They had a couple of guys go down. I think Martinez Rankin went yep. went down yesterday with a knee. But uh, that's that's been the problem for them. It's up front, and Mahomes having to uh, to move around way way too much. 
Trey, is the potential chaos with the one-loss Alabama situation, some of the things that could happen with Baylor, maybe a one-loss Pac-10 team, is that good for college football when we have these debates? I think it is. I mean, it keeps everybody interested. I, I would love it if uh, if we wouldn't release polls before the uh, the first couple of weeks of the season because you know, everybody's playing cupcakes to, to start the season, so to speak. And you have one or two teams, maybe up to four, that are actually playing games, decent decent opponents to get the season started. But the majority aren't. And so let's see how good guys, you know, these teams are. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, and then we start to rank them because there's no way Minnesota should have to climb from where they they have been, and then they knock off the number four team in the country. Uh, I think the discussions are good; they'll continue, and it's fun to see what Baylor's doing. It's fun to see teams like Minnesota. You know, you guys know I'm always rooting for the underdog uh, to mm-hmm. knock off the big boys, and and so that was that was. You know, a lot of fun for me to to kind of watch it as as my game was being played on Saturday. I'm sorry. Speaking of your game, a how did you like covering real football for once? And b <laughs> how did you like how did you like calling a game at Yankee Stadium? You guys made the air. Did you know that? That our picture from Wembley made uh, it made the air on Saturday. Nice. I'm not sure yes. you guys knew about that. Yeah, you made air on on Saturday, but it was fun being in Yankee Stadium, uh, just walking through you know the halls there and seeing the history and and seeing you know the Hall of Fame and all of that stuff that they have right there at the stadium. It was it was great, and then the way they positioned the field there, it actually looks like it could house college football games, NFL games for that matter. It it uh, it looked every bit the part. And I was pleasantly surprised. And then you get the product on the field with Princeton and Dartmouth. Uh, they it was a great football game, a lot of history, and I think we covered that very well. The, the history of, of Princeton, 150 years of football, them playing mm-hmm. in the first game against Rutgers. Dartmouth, it is their 250th year as a university, and so there's just a tremendous amount. And then you got good football to go along with it. It was great. Great. And Dartmouth is located in the woods in yeah. New Hampshire. I mean, <laughs> 250 years ago. Let's put a university here in the woods. Dre, one more yeah. for you, because it is the 30th anniversary of your Heisman season, so this is coming up, the Heisman questions. We just talked about it. Watson wins the national championship in 2016, that season. And maybe mm-hmm. if they had a, a vote after that, maybe he would have won it. It kind of reminds me of the Vince Young thing in 06. Yes. If they voted after that game, he would have won it, I would think. Should they wait, or do you like it the way it is, where the voting is at? Well, if games are continuing to be to be played and they're later and later, I think definitely you need to push it back. <clears throat> you know, we uh, it was a little bit different back in my day 30 years ago, obviously, but uh, and, and it's it started to change when – they started moving the national championship back, and actually uh, the BCS came into, into play. I, I think they do. I think they should wait and let all games be played and then have the vote. That, that only seems right. It seems fair. Times have changed, and maybe, maybe the trust will get it right and move it back. That's pretty amazing that there will be four Heisman Trophy winners on site in Baltimore on Sunday. That's pretty cool. It's been a great show. I got to thank John McClain, Andre Ware, Mark Vandermeer, of course, but mainly you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.